Welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast. My name is Dr. Eric Mason, lead pastor and founder of Epiphany Fellowship in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in every week to check out new messages. God bless you and take care. We didn't finish last week, uh, Ruth chapter 3, so we're going to start around the fifth verse, and we'll stop at verse, um, we'll start at like the the fifth verse, I guess, and go on down um, a bit as we um, engage with this and talk about these things. We'll start about the fifth verse and go on down to um, the... We'll just, we'll just go down to the 13th verse reading. We, we're going to finish the chapter, but we'll go down to the 13th verse reading. On three. One, two, three. Go. Part two of things are beginning to come full circle. Let's go before God. Lord, we honor you and thank you yet again as gathered saints um, to come together and to find our hope in you in every single season of our life. You call us to maximize every season that you give us. And I'm praying that this won't be any different and that you would continue uh, to carry us commune with us and encourage us, Lord God, as we uh, commit ourselves to moving forward as uh, uh, practitioners of grace for your glory and uh, for our goodness and for uh, the needs of the world. God, be with us today, and I pray that you would, you, you, you would blow through here, Lord God, in a way that helps each and every one of us uh, to embrace where you've placed us in order that we may maximize where you've placed us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Things are beginning to come full circle. Last week um, we um, embarked upon talking about 
things coming full circle in your life. How many of you like for things to come full circle in your life? Things coming full circle, uh, everybody put up their hand, that's okay, we'll, we'll work with everybody. Um, but even with, uh, one of the things that you, you have to know is coming full circle uh, is God's way of, uh, of, of bringing our lives to a redemptive, consistent redemptive climax. Now, in, 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 our, in, in, in our sphere, uh, a redemptive climax uh, doesn't necessarily mean a car or a house or something. You know, uh, I, I know some of us may be used to the idea of season being about stuff, not the Savior. Um, 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 but when we talk here about uh, things coming full circle, um, you can get everything in order in your life on the outside and be unadulteratedly full of disorder on the inside. And so, and so, and so, and so, and so stuff doesn't change your life and circumstances don't necessarily change your life or change the circumstances, but Christ changes your life. And so when we look at this idea of coming full circle, we saw last week, if you could throw that chart up there for me, we saw last week on our Experiencing God chart last week that we talked about uh, uh, crisis. Somebody say crisis. crisis. When you become a believer, you get an invitation to relationship, God speaks to you. Remember, we talked about this cycle. I believe this is a biblical cycle that we see many protagonists in the Bible go through that I believe is a reflection of the journey of every Christian um, where we see this. But there's a time in your life whenever you get a word from God or cl biblical clarity from God on something. How many of you ever got biblical clarity from God on something? Or you felt like God said something very, very specific to you. Any of y'all ever, you ever felt God said something from his word very, very specific and it burned on you in a different way. Not that all the word of God isn't important, but it, it sat on you in a different way than everything else sits on you. When that, when that happens, uh, again, we go through crisis of belief. Somebody say crisis of belief. So the crisis of belief, remember, as we talked about last time, is a time of testing where God helps you to show you where, because God ain't looking to see where you are. He already knows that. Um, but he, he, he uses crisis of belief uh, as a moment of difficulty and questioning and frustration where what he said to you doesn't seem in alignment with what you're going through. And when that happens, when, 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 God, when what God says to you from his word is, and your life is not in alignment in the sense of things don't look like what God said. When that happens, it's not a time to run or question. It's actually God's activity of helping you to see the gap between what he said and what you believe. Help me today, God. You, you, you have to recognize that God's work in your life is to work in you what he says. And in working in you what he says, the crisis moment, which nobody avoid. I don't care how much money you got, you cannot avoid it. You can't get enough resources. God got trials for rich people and poor people. He said, listen, you can't bank account your way out of crisis. He said, because I got some things that money can't get you out of. And, 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 so, and, so, and so, so what's interesting here is that happens. But then what happens, hopefully, and we'll visit this today, is adjustment. Somebody say adjustment. adjustment. This thing called adjustment is extremely important, where God actually 
aligns us with his will. I'm going to just tell you, it's the most peaceful moment in your life when you surrender to what God wants you to do and your life gets adjusted in a way that allows what he said to function in your life by having an actual experience with God. And so that's what we see in the story of Ruth and Naomi. We see women who have gone through crisis of belief. I mean, you've heard Naomi rail against God in many ways, saying he's angry with me and all this type of stuff. But what I like about the story, and we saw last week, is that even in the midst of our bitterness, as believers, God does not give up on us. That should make you real happy. Um, because have you ever determined in your mind to be mentally in a place that you're like, God, you want God to just give you a break from, from truth for a minute so that you can have unredeemed ramblings with yourself and others? And so, so that you like, God, you know what? I'm going to fall back from the scriptures, pray, small groups, all that stuff. I just need some time to keep it unbiblically real, you know. And so, you know, just, just, those, just those moments. And, and what, what I love about the, the, the gospel, what I love about the way God works is he doesn't let your desire of abandonment or momentary abandonment of him be his abandonment of you. You should have shouted right there. You should have shouted right there. In, in, in other words, you, you may, while you're pushing him away, he's, he's, he's letting you know I'm in you. So what you got your hand out to, I'm there too, but I'm also in you all around you. I'm omnipresent, so you can't get rid of me. I like the, the heat-seeking missile of the glory of God that comes after his people passionately and never gives up on us. And, and we see in this passage this relentless God bringing life full circle. And, and, and you, you ever had your life come full circle and you felt real stupid that you even thought about giving up on God? You're just like, why in the world? I've been through stuff like this before. Why am I acting like this, this situation may be new, but this cycle isn't new? <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so that's what we're dealing with today. And so last week, we talked a whole lot about all of those different realities and way God does that in bringing life full circle. Now I got one point today and one point only because I'm, I'm, I'm being realistic today. We have, you know, uh, I had like 19 pages all together for this sermon. So, um, page nine. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> page nine. Um, one point. Be willing to follow through and watch God work. Be willing <clears throat> to follow through and watch God work. I like this. Um, it says, so Ruth said to her, talking about Naomi, she said, I will do everything you say. Follow through. Somebody say follow through. You know, what I like about what's going on is Ruth notices that God is active. I'm going to just tell you something. That's a sweet thing to experience. When you, when you finally realize, oh, God is active in my life. Oh, God has not forgotten about me. Know what you need to do in that moment? Take advantage of it. Y'all looking at me funny. I'm telling you, <clears throat> when God starts blowing on your life, and you sense the wind of the ghost. That's the charismatic, Pentecostal, apostolic Eric Mason coming out. When you feel the wind of the Holy Ghost, I like that. That just felt good. I felt the breeze already. 
<laughs> and and, and, and when, when, when you experience that sense of life breath where God, places that seemed to be closed to you is opening. Things that you've been trying to get done on your own, you sat back and God started doing it without you. Oh, God, help me. That's the time to now, that's God saying, okay, now you can work because if I would have let your work initiate it, you would have thought you did it. <laughs> but what I did first is I started working on things prior to you getting there so you showed up in the work that I already was doing. So that when you got there and you started working, you worked out of my work, not working me working out of your work. God doesn't work out of your work. So I, I like what it says here. It says, <clears throat> she says, I, I'll do everything you want me to do. What does this represent? This represents both of them recognizing that there's been a tide, uh, a turning of the tides. But really, it's not merely situational changes in their life that's happened. It's actually soul changes. Somebody say soul change. When you have soul change, it makes you bold. Soul change just makes you bold in the midst of difficulty. And so what, what she says that she says, she went down, she went down to the threshing floor. So she's doing exactly what her mother-in-law said. We visited this last week. And it says, and did everything her mother-in-law charged her to do. This is what's important about this. this and we got to pull on everything. Somebody say pull on everything. <clears throat> when, you when you've gone through some things and you begin to see God work family, uh, you have to begin to allow yourself to move forward in ways in your life you have not been able to do. Let me see if I can make it plain. Um, it's, it's a, it's a, me, me and my wife watch one reality show. One. And it's the only one on TV with redemptive value. You know, I, I'm not trying to see ratchetness. I'm not trying to see black women acting like black women only have a negative relationship with each other. Amen. Ain't nobody. Anyway, I'm by myself. And women are being treated like hoes. I can't be bothered. In the mighty name of Jesus, God has more for you than the picture that the media tries to give out in the world. A to the doggone man. But there's one that has some redemptive value. I'm not going to say the name because of the example I'm going to give. So this, 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 this young lady has gone through something that she just can't get over. And she keep mentioning it a million times. It's like when you first mention it, we empathizing with you. You know, time one, we with you. Time two, we with you. Time three, three months, we with you. Six months, we with you. You know, eight, nine months, a year, it, it kind of gets to a point where the empathy has emptied itself out. In other words, what can happen in your life is if you let an experience that you had totally deter your ability to move forward, you, 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 you don't get to experience God in his fullness because all you see is that situation. What I like about what God is doing in the life of Ruth and Naomi is Ruth and Naomi, by God's work, let me say again, by God's work, third time, by God's work, listen, 
is able to move forward because some way, shape, or form, God has worked in them in a way where they're not fully out of their difficulty, but they can still find ways to see evidences of grace and begin to move forward and work even in the midst of seeing God's hand, even in the midst of the situation not being removed. Let me tell you something. Many times, God will move even when you're still in crisis. In other, in other words, listen to me, listen to me. God won't always bring you out. See, most of us say, I, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm coming to the end of the road. I'm so glad that God, and we like all that, right? We like to be at the end of the road, right? But the issue is this. Sometimes God will not relieve you from your distress, but in it. Okay. <laughs> David says in Psalm 4.1, hear me, God, when I cry, for you have relieved me in my distress. Notice the preposition isn't from. <laughs> God can give you a sense of deliverance even if you're still in crisis. <clears throat> see, that's what they're experiencing. And see, if you let the presence of your crisis override the presence of where Christ is in you, then you will let the crisis take the place of where Christ is. Help me. And so, and so, and so what we have to see and what we have to work through is you and I have to decide that if God is still, if he still has you and, he's, and you see him working, you will walk with him in the midst of the trial no matter what. You got to be able to say what Ruth is saying. She literally has God walking her out. That's what I like about this. But listen to this. This isn't a long time after she lost her husband. What I like about the timeline in this passage is that it's not even a few years where she's seeking an opportunity to find what we'll see in a minute, redemption. It's even still in the midst of the frustration and the pain of the brokenness. And Ruth was still willing to push forward in the midst of that. Verse 7, it says, after Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, um, he enjoyed himself. He went to lie down at the end of the pile of the barley, and she came secretly uncovered his feet and laid down. Now, we talked about this last week where it could have sexual connotations. We already went past that and how even if it was, God is still working in the midst of us making a dumb mistake when God is trying to provide something for us. How many, if, I'm, I'm just say that one more again. How many of us ever done something stupid when we saw God was working? Listen, God was already working. And we, we, we I, I don't know what is wrong with us. I, I don't know. I mean, it, I mean, it, I, I mean, I mean, God. <laughs> I, I, I literally don't, I mean, God will be, we'll see, since the presence of God, we'll see everything unfolding, and we'll see a temptation and go towards it like a heat-seeking missile and act like God isn't working and willing to put everything on the line that God is doing for our own personal preference. But what I like about this passage is that if this is a sexual advance, which it possibly is, but it's more of a marriage proposal, it, God still works and doesn't allow her possible dumb decision to do it this way, to get in the way of the way he wanted to do things based on how he decreed it. When God is determined to do something in your life, family, 
even your, your movement towards mess can't get in the way of him doing it. And what's beautiful about this is, 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 is we see that she's willing to wait. Somebody say wait. Um, this is interesting because right here she, she lays down that she's willing to be patient with God's time. One of the things that you have to be very, very careful with, and we see this beautifully in this passage, is you have to be, you have to be very, very patient and committed to the way God's timing works and not try to force your way in when God is working. Don't try to force your way. Don't try to force your way. Verse 8, at midnight, Boaz was startled. He turned over and was lying at his, and uh, there lying at his feet was a woman. I like the way it says, a woman. Because he didn't know who it was. And, and, sh, and so he asked, who are you? Now, this is a key question. This is a key question. He asked her, who are you? She could have said Ruth. She didn't say that. She could have said, you're... Your, um, your, your family-in-law. He could have said that. She didn't say that. She says, I am Ruth, your servant, she adds to it. Why is that important? And we saw last week, briefly, I mentioned it, that this is a different term of servant than she used the first time she came across Boaz. First time she came across Boaz, she used a low-grade servant term. This time, she upgrades the terminology to a servant term of equality. In other words, in between the time of her first interaction with him to now, just either a few days, a week, or a day later, God has given her the grace to see herself different. Uh, 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 one of the things I, I, I like about what God does in his power and particularly through the gospel is he all, the gospel doesn't just make you see God differently because it start, the gospel starts with you seeing God differently. But the gospel also, once you see God differently and you're redeemed by God, you have to see yourself differently. You have to, why do you have to see yourself differently? Because the, like we said, the gospel gives you dignity. The gospel gives you value that, 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 that's, that's different than the way other people view value and dignity. That's why this is such a hot topic in our day and age, that dignity is such a big issue in our context and in our cities and in our culture, where dignity is a hot topic that's splitting up the body of Christ. Dignity is a topic that's splitting up politics. Dignity is an issue. Why? Because there are people out here who have been viewed as not have has had a narrative hung on their shoulders as being a people who don't have dignity and the church has actually thumbs up either through overt or covert uh, communications either a uh, uh, simulation or silence and, and what has happened now is, is now there are unredeemed forms of dignity that are coming into existence to help give dignity when the church should have been the prophetic mover to be emphasizing dignity. <laughs> dignity is, is, is a huge issue in our culture, and we have to be that prophetic community that begins to say, hey, we're, we're going to functionally make sure that we make sure that all people have dignity, yet those who are specifically marginalized in people's view of their dignity, we want to affirm their dignity even if they don't trust Jesus. Yeah. 
But then we preach to them, you got dignity, but you can get that John upgraded. <laughs> oh, ain't nobody going to hear me today. Because, because just because you're born with dignity in Imago Day, you're born, it's defaced but not erased. And, uh, but, but, but it still ain't the full dignity that God has for you. I, I, I just tell people in the conscious community, I say, don't settle for substandard dignity. If all, you're if all you're seeking dignity for is your body, that's, that's fine. Get bodily dignity. But we, want, we believe that God wants body, soul, and spiritual dignity. That's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, may my God sanctify you entirely in your body, in your soul, in your spirit. Why? Because God's redemption is so deep that it hits every single area of our life to bring dignity in our life. <laughs> dignity. Dignity. So... So I like the swaggerliciousness that she comes up with. I, 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 I like that she says, you know, I'm, I'm about to ask for something, but, um, but I'm a different woman now. Every now and then, even if you're asking for something, and whoever you're asking it from, you, you, don't, you don't have to ask it from a falsely humble or debased place. You can ask it from an empowered place. Because when God adjusts you, and he strengthens your identity, you get to ask it from the place of appointment that God has given you. Oh my God, I wish somebody would get this part. <laughs> you don't have to ask it at a substandard disposition. I remember at first when we were playing Epiphany, I used to feel embarrassed sometimes. That, you know, I was the only inner city guy in the room, and so asking for resources, I felt a little different. And, you know, God had to light, light your boy up. He said, nah. He started showing me all these scriptures, and you know, it didn't pride me up. It identitied me up. I was like, oh. So, so, so Paul said, I go to venture to preach the gospel when nobody's preached. Paul says that when he went to the Jerusalem council, bow, in Galatians chapter 2, he went up there, he already had a gospel, but they were, he got his gospel checked out, so he wanted to be accountable, but he already seen Jesus, so he didn't really need to, but he wanted to be a man of accountability. Boom. Then he told him at the end of that, yo, I ain't going to forget about the poor. And I said, I was already going to do that. And so I was like, dang, it seems like a narrative in the scriptures by which there is this rubric by which God hasn't forgotten about anybody, but particularly those who are marginalized. So you go in there, so don't ever look substandardly at you raising resources for where you're going. And so she uses this more elevated term as a way to talk about her dignity being restored. It was a, it was a man um, um, who went to a, uh, um, a yard sale. And when he went to the yard sale, <laughs> he bought uh, two uh, boxes of glass plates. Uh, and, and he bought them for like $45. $45. Then he ended up, you know, he, he liked these plates and they were great plates and so he ended up getting them appraised. When he got them appraised, they were worth $200 million. And somebody at their yard, I would be sick in my stomach if that was my yard. I just tell you in Jesus' name, I'd be sick in my stomach if that was my yard sale and I found that out. Amen. But they were trying to get rid of it. He went and bought it and found out that its value was way greater than what it was appraised by the seller. See, 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 see when God gives you dignity, uh, others may view you in a particular way. 
But God has a, when he upgrades you in Christ, your appraised value is way above the standard by which people would put on you in relation to your life. And so the beauty of this is she asks him a question. She gets bold and she asks a beautiful question. She says, take me under your wing. I like that. She says, for you are a family redeemer. <clears throat> this idea of take me under your wing or spread your skirt over me. Just give me the bottom of it. It's, in other words, uh, uh, just, 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 I know you got, you, you, use the extra space that you have for me. That's what she says. Um, God, it's used of God in Ezekiel 6, 8, where it says God speaks, uh, spreads his skirt over naked uh, Jerusalem as an act of protection as, and as a precursor for marriage. So it's literally, now ladies, don't do this. This is not saying you can propose to a man. In Jesus' name, don't follow that narrative. Be found, don't find. This is very different. I'm just letting you know this is very different. And this is because um, she's looking for redemption. And this redemption that she's looking for is not, it's interesting, she puts herself in a marital situation, not for herself. We don't even, all of us lost, ain't we? Y'all yeah. looking at me like, Pastor, I don't even, this don't even apply to me. Because I ain't looking at marriage for nothing else. But, you know, I know we're supposed to be a reflection of Jesus in the church and all of that. But at the end of the day, <laughs> right, <laughs> you know how we do. At the end of the day, you know how men and women we do. We, we, we both, we just, you know. But here, and in the Bible, and I don't want to be emotionally detached from it, but I want to preach the point of the text. This, this was an act of selfless love for Naomi and Naomi for Ruth. Ruth was trying to be sacrificial towards Naomi, and you'll see Boaz's response. <clears throat> Naomi is saying, I wanted to seek somebody for you because I want you to have a different life of, for me. And, and through that, she wants to help redeem the value of Naomi. She asked for a redeemer. Somebody say redeemer. <sighs> and what I like about this is she's asking. Somebody say ask. I love this. I could spend the rest of the time on this. We only got a few minutes anyway. Um, she asks for redemption. Jesus, as our redeemer, wants us to ask him, to redeem our lives in every area. This is very simple. <clears throat> being, in, uh, 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 being in Christ, uh, God, God drew you to him and brought you into a relationship with him by faith in his death and resurrection. When you become a believer, you should be seeking every area of your life to be redeemed. What does that mean? In other words, everything in your life, you should be fighting to reflect God's intentions for it. That means every single moment of your life, everything in your life should be turning its clock towards the noon of heaven. In other words, in the context of this book, there's a lot of crisis and there is a lot of pain. You know what I like about what she's asking is she got to a point in her journey where she's asking for redemption uh, from what she's gone through. In other words, don't go through anything for nothing. 
Basically, she, she's like, uh, in other words, her asking for redemption is saying, uh, God, I'm willing to look. She's talking to Boaz, but ultimately God is the ultimate redeeming agent in the book. And because he's the ultimate redeeming agent, she dared, after her dignity got restored, was willing to have what she went through redeemed. How many of you have gone through something difficult and just wanted out of it? God doesn't just want you out of your difficulty. He wants your difficulty redeemed. <laughs> that, that's an important statement. I'm telling you right now, it's not enough to just say it's over now. It's, that's not enough. It's not just saying it's over. It's saying, God, how are you shaping and recycling what I went through as a mechanism for redemption and change in my life and the life of others. And she specifically asked her, what have you gone through where you just wanted to get out of, but you didn't say to God, God, redeem this. Redeem the fact. I know I got divorced, God. And it was a mess. God, redeem that situation. God, I know I've had my heart broken and disappointed over and over and over and over and over again. God, I'm begging you, redeem this. I, I can empathize with the person that's been through difficult situations and over and over and over again, you're saying, God, I need you to shape this and form this by the renewing power of Jesus Christ. You have to make sense out of this for me. I'll give you a recent example. I ain't got to go into 2,000 years ago in my life. I can go just the other day. So my wife... Got to go on a trip with me to Southern California. So I was like, amen. I'm like, we're getting away with the wife. Hallelujah. You know, we're going to be under some palm trees, amen, and, you know, and enjoy ourselves. On the plane, my wife gets lightheaded. I'm like, what's going on? And look at her and her, she, put, she tells me, this is our life, this is our life. So she takes a blood pressure machine with her where we go. Puts on the blood pressure machine, it's dropping on the plane. Her temperature is spiking. Now, for her being immunosuppressed because of her liver, those are very bad things. So we're on the plane, so I'm like, am I going to have to notify the people? Are we going to have to land somewhere? And so we make it into L.A. Now, we, we got to understand that this is just something little to us. We got all kinds of stuff planned. We, you know, I'm going to preach. We, gonna, we, gonna, we wanted to go to Roscoe's or something. You know, we didn't get, we didn't get our in and out and our Randy's this time, you know. I was going to be a little bad this time and, you know. And man, she gets to the hotel and she's sitting on the bed. She says, bae, and I know husbands know their wives. And I'm like, I'll pack the bag. We had to go to the emergency room. Now, you got to understand, we wanted to go to Universal Studios. The next day, we had a lot planned. And we're sitting in the hospital. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I was irritated. But then I had to look at my wife. And I looked at her. I just looked at her. And I said, you know what? I need to shift my thinking on this thing. I said, babe, stand up. I'm going to tell you what I did. I began declaring healing over her. Right in the hospital. I said, you know, now I know all, some of y'all looking at me funny. Look, I believe he still does that. 
as a matter of fact, I actually commanded her to be healed. So I know some of y'all are gonna look at me funny. Send me an email, I'll show you some scriptures. But I actually commanded her body to end what it's doing. And, 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 I, and I prayed and I invoked that wonderful name over her. Yet still frustrated that we've been in this emergency room for hours. And we began to converse, and I said, you know, I said, you know, I said, babe, we've been through a lot of these things, and this is a little one, but still it's something. And I said, God, redeem the situation. I'm, and and I, I wanted to come here and spend some time with my wife outside the hospital. I know we can get close in here, but God, can we enjoy something? I'm just saying, can we enjoy something? I mean, God, I, please, I, I believe you're holy. I need, we need to have some time together. We got four kids. She's just had cancer, God. Can, can we have like a moment? Her temperature dro- went back to normal. Her blood pressure went back to normal. And we went to University Studios and we got on some rides. We had us some fun. We enjoyed ourselves. I ain't talking about me, I'm talking about him. That every now and then God will utilize what you're going through to make you pray, to make you talk to him, to draw you closer to him. And what he'll do, he'll do some powerful things if you would just have the audacity to say, God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, redeem my situation. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've been through a whole lot of hell and high water. Can I, God, I'm trying, can I have one kind of break in Jesus' name? Just one break. And we were on pins and needles the whole day. But we walked around and we got on the Transformers ride. And then God, I'm, I'm going to say this in close. I got 21 seconds. Um, when we got there, the lines were long. And we was like, we should have paid for the upgrade. We should have paid for the upgrade to go to the front of the lines. And we talked to the guy about where we can get the upgrades. He sent us to this room. We went to this room and the woman said, well, you don't get no upgrades here, who told you that? So she started going off and then calling people and we was like, listen, we ain't want no trouble. We just <laughs> trying to buy an upgrade. One Hispanic lady said something to her and she turned around and she pulled out some pieces of paper, signed them and scanned them and gave them to us. No upgrade needed, just go. <laughs> Man, don't go through anything for nothing. Don't be afraid to beg your God for redemption. Father, we thank you. We bless your wonderful name um, that we would be willing to move forward. It's <laughs> amazing. It's amazing that we would be willing to move forward in the midst of crisis. <clears throat> that crisis, um, Lord God, we trust that you will bring redemption. I'm trusting you for everybody in here that you'd bring.
thank you for tuning in to today's message. I hope that it was a blessing to you and it was aiding in your life to help you to show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. If this message has been a blessing to you, we want you to consider partnering with us in ministry so that we can maximize what God has called us to do locally, nationally, and internationally. You can go to epiphanyfellowship.org, go under give and consider donating. Thank you. Take care. See you next week.